Why, hello, my children, and welcome to the Blizzard Watch Podcast. I'm your host, Venus Flytrap. No, I'm sorry. Had to do a WKRP reference. I'm sorry. Uh, Matt Rossi is always hosting the show because I don't, I don't know. I think they were forced to. I, I honestly feel like there must have been some kind of coercion. But uh, with me this week, as is usually the case, two amazing people from the site Blizzard Watch that we all are involved in, the site that covers each and every one of Blizzard's games, as if they were our own children that we love and cherish and occasionally get incredibly mad when that bloody sword won't drop yet again in Karazhan. You know what sword I'm talking about. Oh, oh Spite Blade, I'm going to get you. Anyway, uh, first up, let's ask Anne, Anne Stickney, who writes a billion things for us. Anne, what are you up to? I'm not going to tell you how many of those swords I've vendored. I vendored it myself on like my other characters all the time. It just won't drop for this one guy. It's it's. I, I spent so much time in Karazhan farming that horse, like years and years and years. So I'm well acquainted with every piece of loot in that raid, um, and I've probably vendored everything in there a million times, including Gorhel. Uh, what am I up to? I'm actually not up to that much in World of Warcraft currently because um, I'm pretty much on this steady sort of maintain the garrison path, maintain the garrison, earn the gold, get out. And and that's all I've been doing really. Uh, When I want to like play a game with quests and things to do, uh, I picked up Dragon Age 2 and I don't know why exactly. I think it's because I enjoyed Inquisition. So I figured I should go back and do the other ones. And I'm kind of having fun with that. But it is a dated game. It's a very dated game. Okay, I'm afraid to talk about that because people get upset. So instead, I'll just move on to Adam. No, don't I, talk I about could. it that much because I'm not far into it yet. <laughs> I could talk about that. No, you're right. Alex is My coworkers are doing it now. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I wasn't confusing you with him. I just Wait, straight up meant to talk apologizing? to him. I didn't mess up your name. so I didn't mess up his name either. I straight up forgot he was here. Oh I just want to make God. that clear. <laughs> wow. Well, this week, Alex is here. Come on. <laughs> Half the time, you don't even want to talk. Um, I actually wasn't listening to anything you guys were saying until there you go. Name Adam, because I was cons- reconsidering my stance on children now that I know they can drop swords. Now I'm interested. Wait, what? Children? Yeah, you said you're, you're talking about children in the intro and dro- yes, I, not I, dropping Blizzard, swords. Wa- we love Blizzard Watch game. Blizzard, we love Blizzard games like they were our children, is what I said. Yeah, so children can drop swords. Therefore, I need well, them. Technically speaking, that just means that if you hand a child a sword, it could drop it. Oh, swords are expensive. I mean, if we want to go down along that line of reasoning, all four of my nephews can drop swords. Well, I had swords when I was a kid because my grandfather collected them. I actually, one of my favorite stories... My, sister's, fa- my, my sister's family is just really, really in a Renfair, so... Well, no, my, my grandfather collected them, but, you know, after he like, died, my, my dad left the... There was some old stone houses on the property. They were, like, called the stone houses. They were like, actually, like, game lodges. And one of them, the middle one, had completely collapsed. It was a ruin. But the other two were still up, and they had, like, an underground tunnel going between them. That was filled with rats. So my cousin and I would get like, you know, we take a sword and like an axe and like like a blowtorch that my dad had. Like we had a portable blowtorch and we would go down in there and we would just kill rats because we thought we were like 10 and we thought that was the best thing we could possibly do. 
Then one day my dad caught us and he was like, my God, I can't believe you're doing this. This is so dangerous and so unsafe. He took the torch away from us and gave us both shotguns. Wow. And then sent us back down into the basement to kill rats. You so your childhood was basically like live action Zork. Yes. You're telling me. <laughs> Except that my father, when he caught me, he wasn't upset that I was using a blowtorch to kill rats because it was cruel or dangerous, but rather because, well, because it was dangerous, but also because it was inefficient. Because <laughs> a shotgun was so much more efficient. This is, you know, I think this has affected my life. It explains how I ended up playing World of Warcraft. Like, <laughs> it's like I need to get that feeling back, that feeling of killing a lot of rats with a with in the, a like, dark an axe. tunnel. Like, a like, like, I still can't get over this. All right, swords, axes, killing stuff. Okay, that's kind of their job. A blowtorch. Yeah, well, the thing was, is it was one of those ones with an open variable um, nozzle. It, you ever seen them? They kind of have like a plush on the side, and it's yeah. very long, and you turn the two things. Well, you can turn those way up. You can effectively make a blowtorch turned into a, a mini flamethrower. You can crank it. Yeah. It, it uses up almost all the fuel, like, in two shots. It's incredibly dangerous. But we were 10, so we didn't care. There's a lot I of mean, things you I don't care about when you're 10 years old. Personal safety is, like, top of that list. I mean, when I went up north with my buddy a few times as a kid, we, like, speared stuff around the water with sticks. Like, spear hunting. And that made sense. I wouldn't think to set them on fire. Oh, no. See, here's the thing, man. We had literally nothing else to do. Like, we were, like, we were, like, a half an hour away from the nearest other person. Like, you'd have to go all the way to the other end of the island to even meet people on your dirt bike. And while that was fun, and I would often do that... Often riding my dirt bike became an excuse in, can we dig a trench and fill it with like fuel oil and light that on fire? And we did that often. Uh, Kids left to their own devices are evil as hell. Yeah, it really is. Alex, you've seen my house, right? Yeah. We used to climb up the front of it. And what did you kill? No, we didn't kill anything. We just climbed up the front of the house because we were bored. The the side that's in the canyon, we'd climb up that because we were bored. the side that they'd fall down and like literally plummet hundreds of feet to their rocky death is what right, you see. right. Only we never fell, thankfully. <laughs> we yeah. were very careful. Yeah, children don't understand really when they're being cruel or evil, and they don't really understand when they're taking ridiculous risks. No, it was just like, something to do. <laughs> when, I, when, when my cousin and I would like take the backhoe out and dig a trench and then fill it with waste oil, it, you know, we didn't really understand. We, we were just like, well, this is cool. We're, running, we're using the backhoe. My dad will kill us if he finds out. He'll never find out as we're lighting a trench full of fuel oil on fire in his front yard. Maybe maybe we should talk about World of Warcraft. <laughs> or just Blizzard in general. Making ourselves sound like psychopaths. <laughs> That's not psychopathic. It's, it's just a perfectly you know, well-adjusted childhood of yeah. mayhem. <laughs> Well, let's first off, let's talk about one thing that we covered today on the site, namely that they had more information about the Warcraft movie. And I want to talk about this one because the story that was told by Duncan Jones was that in order to do the effects, they're, they're doing a lot of computer animation and, and compositing and so forth. CGI. But they're also live acting this stuff out. Like the people come in and they do the scenes. And so in order for Clancy Brown to, to do the role of Black Hammer properly – Black Hand, my see, I'm really having trouble with that. Black, he's doing Black Hand, not Black Hammer. Black Hammer is it what you get if Orgrim Doomhammer and Black Hand become one person? And if you use a blowtorch on a hammer, yeah. <laughs> 
but Blackhand, he's actually playing Blackhand, and in order to do the scenes, he's sitting there giving his epic speeches to the other people playing orcs while on a rocking horse, rocking back and forth. <laughs> That's to, amazing. To give the, the the sensation of he's on a wolf. He's riding a wolf. It just I'm saying I, a rocking horse. I would pay any amount of money that I could possibly spare to get to see what that looks like. I want to see the behind-the-scenes footage yeah. when that DVD comes out. That's what, a, what well, the Blu-ray. I, what a big Clancy Brown sitting on a rocking horse telling all the or telling people like, "We orcs are a proud race." I want to see that. Like on a, I want to make that my ringtone. We're a it's, proud race. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> Just that, that kind of stuff, like the finding out that Duncan Jones is like he's in the middle of setting up the CGI and he's talking to the guy from ILM and he's like, you know, so you heard of Warcraft, right? And the guy's like, are you kidding? I play like a level, I'm a level ninety orc wizard, and like you know, like seriously, like the guy plays the game. It's just nuts. I love this. A lot of people I, that the rocking horse involved with that film play the game. I'm picturing like a comically small rocking horse for like a four year old. Like the teeny like the little the little bouncy ones that you yeah, get from like, the Dark Moon Fair. Like his knees are tucked up to his chin so he can fit on it. Yeah, I I think that that's that's what we would have. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. And I think also it's I, want that movie. Chi- I think it's one of those rocking horses that's actually on wheels. Like it's got a like a stand and you can wheel it around. So they just wheel him around as he rocks on his rocking horse, and that's the, the wolf moving majestically <laughs> through the plains of Nagrand. I was like, yeah, that should, you know, I want that to be the next mount that we get. Is I can't wait to see this movie. I really, I can't wait I to see this CGI movie. I think the CGI will ruin this. <laughs> yeah, we need to see it pure. The CGI, quite frankly, I want to see the dude from, like, the, the dude from Vikings versus, you know, Clancy Brown. <laughs> Clancy Brown on his rocking horse. You will die, Lothar. <laughs> I'm just imagining, like, every time I see a Torin get on one of those little bouncy things at the Dark Moon Fair, it's like the best thing I've ever seen. And I'm imagining that with the orc on the rocking horse. I'll admit this is one of the reasons I'm a little sad that the movie is going to be just when the orcs and humans first get together. Yeah. Because we're not going to get no, to see Torin or trolls or anything like that. Now there were elves. There were elves in the footage that we saw. Yeah, well, there'll be there elves and dwarves. Might be dwarves, too, I think. Were there dwarves? I think. I don't remember. I just remember they showed there was a shot of Dalaran and there were elves in that shot, and they were very pretty. Well, I mean, you know, you can get elves, you can get dwarves, you can probably get gnomes. I don't know if there'll actually be any, but if I they're mean, doing Dalaran, there might be. I don't yeah. know. But in general, I mean, just, you know, for, for no other reason than to, you know, just to see Clancy Brown on the rocking horse, man, please give us behind-the-scenes footage. Yeah. But uh, well, first, we should do some emails, of course. Uh, as always, please send your emails to podcast at blizzardwatch.com, and we love to answer as many as possible. Tried to pick out as many as I could this week. We don't know if we'll get through all of them, of course, but we love to try. Um, you don't have to ask about – you can ask about any game. We'll, uh, we'll talk about any game Blizzard does. You can ask about any subject. It doesn't have to just be lore. Um, we're more than happy to talk about all sorts of things, even things we don't know, really know what we're talking about. We're willing to try and make up stuff for you because we love you that much. Uh, first up is from somebody who didn't sign their email. No, she did. And she even corrected my, the way my pronunciation of her from the last week, which is good, actually. And we'll get into that in the email. So, uh, Our druid travel forms air and ground slower than actual mounts. It just seems that way when I play my Druid alt, uh, Sazium the Warlock. 
P.S. You guys gave me a good chuckle having problems with pronouncing my name a few episodes back. Cesium is a name of an element, uh, one of the most toxic elements in existence, a fitting name for an affliction warlock, I thought. There's a link to the Wikipedia page for it. Um, great podcast. Thank you for your work. Uh, you guys have a nice chemistry together, pun intended. Uh, this is very important. Hold on. This is essential information. The readers have to know. Cesium is an alkali metal and has physical and chemical properties similar to those of rubidium and potassium. Continue. Basically, druid travel forms, there's two flight forms, one of which is as fast as a regular flying mount, and epic. there's epic flight form, which is as fast as an epic mount. Um, and as far as landforms are concerned, I'm pretty sure landforms are slower than mounts. It's, it depends on the mount, because I think... I want to say, no... No, because there's like there's the there's cheetah and there's the stag, form. but I I think that they run at just under mount speed. Yeah, I, re- I remember the original the original cheetah form was slower than an amount. It was I, it was a little bit faster than ghost wolf. It was like somewhere in there, but I think that there's a glyph or a talent or they just changed it so that they run at mount speed. And I could be wrong. I could be totally wrong. Like on I think that. it's. Level 16, you get cheetah form, which is slower than the basic ground mount. And then at mount levels, you get stag form, which is the same speed as mounts. Okay, they're saying that it's 40 or 80%, and then the bird is normal. I know the bird is normal, because the bird thing, the obviously flight form wasn't added until Burning Crusade. And the whole quest and everything that you had to do, the whole... The whole point of having the whole flight form thing was that you didn't have to buy the flying mount. You you would go at flight speed. So slow bird is slow flight flight speed, and then fast bird is fast flight speed. And since they kind of took that out, I believe it's just you fly at whatever speed you paid for. Yeah, I don't know. Druid is one of the only classes I just won't play. I've tried. I hate it. I don't know anything about druids. I know, I know. With uh, Ghost Wolf, anyway, there's a glyph out there that will allow you to go epic mount speed. Because Liz yeah. on the stream, she's playing a shaman and she's got that glyph, and she's faster than all of us. Which Not is anymore. Ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, but um, um, yeah, I, I'm trying so hard throughout this question not to just start ranting about druids. I hate them so much. Regular travel like form that. is forty percent movement speed, so it is slower than a mount. Regular, a regular land mount is 60%, and a f- epic land mount is 100%. Yeah, so. and I think it's like 40 and 80 is what it is. Yeah. But I'm looking at the, yeah, basically there's there's the two glyphs for it. It's, yeah, it's, so yes, the regular me, druid form is slower. Yeah, to doing. me it feels kind of weird, too, because when I'm on my stag, my stag just feels like or looks like I'm running slower, and I don't know if it's just the run cycle animation looks like it's slow or what. But all of my druids have that same problem. Yeah. However, I do tend to default to using stag form instead of actually hopping on a mount because it's just easier to push a button. Yeah, it's instant instantly cast. poof. You know, I hate being a cat. I hate being a bear. I hate being a bird. I hate being a chicken. I don't want to be any of those things. Well, then ever. you should never play. I don't a want to be a tree. Then you should never play a druid. That's why I don't. They're stupid. I enjoy playing Druid. <laughs> I have no stake in this fight. I have one Druid. I got him in the mid-70s. I stopped playing him. I like him. I, 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 I always think- like playing a Druid because 
Um, my first character was a druid. And the whole reason that my first character became a druid was because I wanted to play a rogue. And the guild that I had joined with my friends, they had plenty of those already. And they said, we really need healers. And I said, but I don't really, I wanted to stealth around and be sneaky and stab things. And they said, well, if you play a druid, you could be a cat and you could still stealth around and stuff. But you could also heal things. Like you could do both of those. And I said, oh, that sounds cool. Okay, I'll do that. And then I went through leveling a druid in vanilla, which was singularly the most painful process in my gaming career. It was awful. <laughs> I, mean, I, I would play a druid if I could just be a night elf, like casting things, but you can't do that. You got to be a tree or a chicken no, or a star elf. There's actually, oh, okay. You don't I don't want to be made of stars. Either. Okay. I just want to be an elf. <sighs> anyway, now that we've established that Alex just wants to be an elf, I is don't want to so be wrong? made of stars. Yes. <laughs> well, unfortunately for you, you already are. In fact, all oh, things on Earth no. are made out of star stuff. Uh, anyway, we're going to move on to the next email. Uh, this one has not been signed, but... Hey, guys. Long-time listener and writer from way back in the olden days. Please keep doing what you're doing. I love the new podcast. Listening to you guys talk about the Forsaken and Gilneas fighting over Gilneas uh, got me thinking. How cool would it be to see a story about two people who were close in life and now found themselves at odds over this? Two Gilneans on two different sides in two unique and strange conditions. My question is, would such a Forsaken have the free will to question the Banshee Queen and perhaps turn their coat or go rogue? Or are they bound to her will? Thanks again and keep on keeping on. I'm going to ask if you've actually played the Gilneas and then Silverpine stories. Because you kind of get this. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, I mean... I'm not sure you could say they were close. They certainly weren't friends, but the 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 main <laughs> character of the Forsaken storyline, the main who isn't Sylvanas at least. Well, I don't know how many. In I'm gonna Let's, have you talk about it. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say the 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 way that the storyline plays out. You know, when you play through the Worgen starting zone, certain events happen and occur. And then if you go play through the Forsaken starting zone and go through Silverpine, at the end of Silverpine, you kind of see the resolution of what happened with all of that. Um, do you need to play one to understand the other? Not necessarily, but it's cool to play both of them because then you get the whole story from beginning to end. Which, by the way, I find kind of weird for a factional starting zone. Had it been any other zone in the game, like, North Barons, or excuse me, South Barons, Horde and Alliance side, that works because it's not like the beginning of the leveling experience. But when you're kind of finding your identity as a Worgen player, it doesn't make sense that the other side of your starting zone is on the other faction. Regardless, I'm getting off track here, regardless, that question that you asked as far as... Uh, whether the Forsaken are automatically bound to Sylvanas, no, they are not. There are plenty of them who have not necessarily deliberately gone against her or gone against her in a very visible kind of fashion, but they're kind of working behind the scenes. And I mean, the entire battle for the Undercity was kind of evidence of that. They're not automatically bound to her will. They're not automatically enslaved to the Banshee Queen or anything like that. That's her um, own fault, too. Yeah. Not magically, but as I recall, if you roll a new Forsaken post-Cataclysm, 
post cataclysm, yeah, it, it's you you're run given into... the choice: serve Sylvanas or die. And Lillian Voss is the one that got away. Yeah, she said no and evaded that execution. And I'm thinking that part of that whole the the, the choice that's given there, and I, I'm thinking part of the reason that that choice is being delivered is because of what happened in Battle for the Undercity. Sylvanas doesn't want another revolution on her hands, so she's going to make sure from day one that everybody's on her side. <laughs> but it doesn't, I mean, when the character I was talking about was Lord Godfrey. Yeah, yeah. Who is he, at the, yeah, he basically straight up kills Sylvanas. He just flat out turns on her, like, without, without even, and I mean, he was just freshly raised, too, by a Valkyr supposedly one of those creatures that, you know, binds them to Sylvanas's will or whatever. There is no binding going on, really. It's just, uh, okay, well, you brought me back to life, so I'm going to follow you. Okay. Yeah, it's one of those things where the, the game isn't always 100% specific. Sometimes it seems like, well, that doesn't make sense, but Godfrey definitely is not feeling the the, the bound to Sylvanas's will because he flat out turns on her the first chance he gets. <laughs> Pulls like, you know. Yeah, it, it's an amazing amazing if you haven't played through silver pine you should probably go do that and if you have a high level horde character you can still go back and do that content and go through it pretty quickly and just witness the story stuff that's going on there because it's a really good story for what's going on it's just i wish they had somehow incorporated the worgen starting experience into that you know what i mean and and there's some good Civil War stuff just within the Gilneans, like not even taking the forsaken consideration. Like they had that whole. There was a rebellion within Gilneas, and the arrival of the Forsaken kind of puts them together. Yeah, yeah. If anything, they would probably not have allied. Uh, oh, Crowley, Crowley, and Gen were not on speaking terms until suddenly there were, you know, dead monsters everywhere to be dealt with. They they really wanted to find Crowley and execute him. Actually, I think that was kind of the intent that they were going for there, and Crowley was having none of it. But uh, yeah. Well, he was in prison when you first meet him. Yeah, he was in prison, um, and he was kind of fighting things off, but there was definite animosity there. That's one of those periods uh, of lore that was introduced in Cataclysm that I kind of wish that we saw more of. Yeah. Was that whole- I think the only reason we didn't is because they decided the Worgen had to go to Kalimdor because there are too many people leveling in Eastern Kingdoms already. I honestly think the whole reason that's a mess is because they went, mm, the Worgen can't be in Eastern Kingdoms. Everybody else is. Let's send them to Kalimdor because only the Night Elves are there. Yeah. Well, Night Elves and Draenei, but yeah. It's made worse for it. If it's just, but, yeah, I, I really, I wasn't a fan of how they handled the end of that experience. It just, it felt very abrupt. It was yeah. like stuff was building up, building up, building up. You got this beautiful moment of, oh my gosh, and then all of a sudden... Oh, it's boat time. Let's go to Darnassus. Look, we planted a tree for you. <laughs> yes, you know this giant tree we're on? Well, we grew another tree. <laughs> we heard you like trees. I mean, it was so kinda, we grew a tree on our you know, tree. When you think about it, though, it was kind of nice that the Night Elves did that because Varian certainly wasn't having any of it. Um, yeah. Especially in the novel Wolfheart, he makes it very clear that he's not having any of it. And by the end of that, he does resolve that situation. Wolfheart is another one of those novels where, if you haven't read it, you probably should. It was, it was, it had its moments of okay, what's going on here? But there was a lot of good in that. So, I, I, I got totally off topic. I'm really sorry. 
That's okay. I think we pretty much answered the question. Uh, I have a question before we go to the next question. Okay. Do do we want to talk about flight today? Or do we want to, like, run screaming? Maybe at the end of the show. We should. I would like to wait till we get through some emails to talk about flight. We can do it at the end. Okay. Let's give ourselves a little time to talk about it at the end of the show. Because I feel like we should. All right. Uh, The next email is from. Seven Moons of or Seven Moons slash Spinner Sun. So I'm assuming those are the names of the characters, or her characters. Uh, Dear Watchers, in the starter zones, we are mere citizens doing our part for king and country for a wee bit of money, and now we are generals directly appointed by the king slash war chief, and we command our own army. Where, where can questing go from here? Do we become the faction leaders in the next expansion? I'm not sure the whole general thing was a prudent choice for character progression. Uh, Honestly, I don't know. I don't know. I don't remember what the horde people call you. I know on the alliance commander side, commander or something yeah, like that. Alliance side, know. they just call you commander. I don't get the sense that you're that you're actually a part of the military. To be completely frank, there in the in the cinematic you get when you upgrade your garrison to the third stage, it's mm-hmm. a cinematic of Varian Rind, and he calls you general very dramatically. Okay. Well, then, honestly, then that makes you a general. Since Varian Ren said so. Or I'm assuming that, you know, Vol'jin has a similar one. I haven't seen it. Um, but honestly, I don't have a real problem with it because next expansion, who knows? Maybe we won't even be, you know, maybe it'll just be us as like, you know, okay, we're going to like Argus. We can only send like 20 people through and you're one of them. Good luck. And, you know, you'll be on your own again. Yeah, I, I think we, we are whatever is needed to face the threat. In this case, we're against the Iron Horde with infrastructure and so forth. We need an army. In the next expansion, maybe the most useful thing is you know, mercenaries and adventurers who can go out there and get the job done solo. Yeah, like in Mr. Pandaria, you, you're definitely important and you're spoken to with respect, but you're not like in charge of the whole shebang. You're, uh, you're kind of like an agent in yeah. Mr. Pandaria. Well, I mean, you definitely, it's like, you know, well, you're here. And, like, we have these SI7 dudes, but a lot of our guys got taken by the, you know, monkey people for no readily apparent reason. So if you could go rescue our people from the monkey people, that'd be great. And then, you know, I, I still love, to this day, I love, absolutely love when Admiral Taylor's like, Catherine! And she's like, nope, you're in charge. Just deal with it. And takes off. <laughs> That's still one of my favorite Alliance moments. On yeah. the Horde yeah. side, On the Horde side, though... Uh, Miss Mandaria and and Warlord is what I've seen of it. The Horde side is a little bit more cohesive. Like you're you're definitely a part of when you first get the Pandaria, you're a part of the Horde War Machine. And it's only later that you kind of break away from it because you start to say, hey, "This is kind of nuts. I'm not sure I'm down with this." And I think it's around the time that like Bane and Vol'jin show up and they're like, "Hey, uh, you know, since you're the most important guy the Horde has in Pandaria, we'd like to get you inside of our little conspiracy thing because we you know want to get rid of this guy." So I um as as far as the original question goes, like where does questing go from here? Do we become the faction leaders? No, I don't think we're gonna become the faction leaders, but I kind of stand by what I said in Know Your Lore this week, where um if Warlords of Draenor has taught me anything, anything at all, it's that being in charge really, really sucks. Cause all you do is sit around and order other people to do things. I still like, like the mission that, table. That's, that's how that's how 
apparently that's how the horrid war machine works is when you're like, in charge. You just regardless don't of what our position is going forward, whether we say a general or we're more of a solo guy, yeah. I still think the follower table is cool. I, I think, think it's an awesome feature. Was... It just needs to not was... be all of the content. Right. I thought it was cool, and it's a cool idea, and it's a fun thing to do, but it, it's kind of like the be-all and end-all of what goes on in your garrison. And uh, uh, Hey, I'm just going to say right now, I'm giving you guys another 20 to 30 seconds in this, but this is such a huge sidetrack that we're moving on after it. Go. Well, now you completely interrupted my train of thought, which was on topic. Thank you. Um, <laughs> where can questing go from here? What I would like to see is I would like us like our characters to realize that being in charge kind of sucks <laughs> drop the titles and go back to being a hero again that's what i want to see um because that's how i feel like as a player playing the game right now i don't want to do this whole being in charge thing i'd like to just go save some stuff i think it'd be fun i don't want to lead an army i want them to give me a strike team yeah that'd be okay I can still send them on missions, but it's just me and my little crew, and we're out there messing stuff up. No garrison, no fortifications. We just go and wreck. Yes. I I want my space boat. (laughs) I want us to... Yeah, they can give me a ship, too. I want a ship. Yeah, Yeah. that'd be cool. Spaceship, watership, I don't care. Give me a boat with some awesome sailors. That's what kind of makes me a little sad about... Since this is character progression in this expansion, it's not that important to talk about, but... I kind of feel like the boat thing we're getting in 6.2 is just more of the same kind of missions as we already have. Yeah, they like, could, it seems like it could have been its like whole own thing with its own flavor, and it's just kind of tacked on and garbagey. <laughs> it's they just they just kind of I'll say it, rename it's some stuff. They just rename some stuff. I yeah, mm, I'm not not a huge fan when it's the only thing to do. I'm not down with the, with calling it garbage yet, but I'm I. I definitely feel like whatever we see in the next expansion, I hope is much less based around like you know sending units out to do stuff. Yeah, I think I think we're all in agreement on that. So, uh, moving on to the next one. This one is from I want to say Lacella. Do you guys think Lacella works for that? Lacella, sure. yeah. All right, this one's from Lacella. Can I be contrary and say it's Lacella? I don't care. No, because the parenthesis says Lacella. Oh, I didn't read. Okay. Right. Greetings, noble and illustrious watchers from Lysella of Moonglade EU. I've recently been inspired to play Diablo 3 due to reading the KYL posts on your, of your fantastic news site. I'm thoroughly enjoying it, and I'm keen to find out more about the world of Sanctuary. What would you recommend starting? Are there specific tie-in books that you would recommend above the others? And what website, apart from your own, are, are good places to find out information? Many thanks, Lysella. Well, first off, um, there are two wikis that basically cover Diablo. Um, one, they're both called Diablo Wiki. One is a wikia.com wiki, and the other is just uh, diablowiki.net. And those are both reasonably good sites for Diablo stuff. Um, I've, I, there's also Blizzard's actual original pages for both Diablo 3 and Diablo 2. That site's still up. The original Diablo 2 site is still up. You can still get to it. And it's actually pretty good. It's got a lot of stuff from the, the uh, you know, I want to say te- textbook, but that doesn't make any sense. The game book, when the game was released, the book that came with the game. Thank you, Matt's brain. Textbook. Yes. No, it wasn't even like it wasn't even like the the game guide, which is like you know that came out. The I actually manual. have that on my bookshelf. Yeah, the manual. The manual. Like the, it, 
that was one of those things that I always liked about like the old Warcraft games too. The manual had like a good chunk of lore in it for whatever yeah. reason. Manual from Diablo 2 is actually very, very, very good for that. It's got tons of lore in it. Um, I recommend you look at it and give it a read if you have, if you can. But and in terms of... Hmm? I was going to say, if they're looking for like the be-all, end-all of Diablo lore books... Book of Cain. Book of Cain and Book of Tyrael. Book of Tyrael, yeah. Both those of are, them. Those are good if you're, if you're, not look, if you're looking for just straight-up... This is what's going on. The Book of Cain and the Book of Tyrael are very good. They and they're give you... beautifully done. If you're looking for actual tie-in novels... Um, there's quite a few. It, yeah, there's, a, there's not as many as WoW, but there's at least ten that I know of. Um, of those ten, I'd say straight up, uh, the Sin War books. If you want to know what the Nephilim are and what's going on, the Sin War books give you, you know, how did Sanctuary get created? Who are these people? Why are the Nephilim important? Why are the angels and demons fighting over Sanctuary? Who's that Anarius dude? And the there's sin- three yeah. in the series. Actually, yeah. it's kind of funny because they, they kind of, um, <laughs> it's like a mirror image of the War of the Ancients trilogy, and they were even written by Knack. Yeah, they're Richard, they're Richard Knack. I'm going to say this. Richard Knack's Diablo writing is significantly stronger than his WoW writing. Yeah. Uh, he does. He's done some good WoW books, but some of them aren't so good. Like, I'm not a big fan of the War of the Ancients books, but he's much better in Diablo, and I think that's because he's a little bit less fettered. There's not a lot of other people writing Diablo books. There's he's not done, as much stuff, you know. Yeah, he did the Sin War books. He did, what else did he do? He did Legacy of Blood. He did Kingdom of Shadow. What was the other one? Moon of the I know, Spider? I don't think Moon of the Spider was him. I want to say that was him, though. Moon of the no, Spider. No, it was. Moon of the Spider was Knack. Yep. Yeah, and then um, Nate Kenyon did The Order, and The Order was really good. Yeah, and uh, Richard Marks, I mean, Robert Marks did um, Demon's Bane, which is in the Diablo archive. Okay. And, and that's and actually I feel like, the first book of the series. I feel like he might be one of those authors that does better when they uh, have some rules. I think Diablo is a more limited setting. It's, I, I don't... As opposed to I World of Warcraft. I rules, I would say structure. World of Warcraft is more anything goes. Just because you can do it doesn't mean you should. Thing is, is he was tapped in WoW because he had come up with stuff in Dragonlance. Right, right. They tapped him to create their dragon aspect. Lore. Well, and he does that whole high fantasy thing really, yeah. really well. But when you when you're working with a world like Diablo, there's a lot more structure to Diablo than there is to World than there is to Azeroth. His, Azeroth history is all over the place. Yeah, and you know, Diablo, there's very set structure yeah. of you know events. how the world was created you know how long right. it's been you know who the ancients were and so forth and knack really does i think a really good job with diablo i think that his yeah. diablo novels are really good and i, so think, I would recommend them maybe i'm just talking crap here but i think diablo also doesn't allow for things like raptor armies or no. a dragon <laughs> having a girlfriend that he created from magic water yeah, it's not that it doesn't allow for stuff so much as it doesn't fit the setting. Hey, he Diablo's setting is very themed. Girlfriend. It was. It was. No, he wrote <laughs> that. I mean, fault. that just uh, that, that always bothered me. Like he took water, magic water, decided mm-hmm. to turn it into a beautiful young girl, and then fall in love with that girl, which he created from no, water. No, he didn't create the girl. It was. It was. It was Alex. Yeah, it was yeah. Crasis that created. Yeah. Crasis created her. Malagos well, fell. Not Malagos. Malagos didn't even realize that she was like 
the Sunwell girl or anything like that when he first met her. It wasn't until further on down the storyline when Krasis showed up and said, oh, hey, by the way, I made her from water. <laughs> well, yeah. it wasn't water. It was like the energies of the sun. I don't know. It was all fanciful. Dude, your girlfriend Look, is water. No, dude, I'm sorry. I have to tell you this, but you are actually having sex with magic and Malagos is going to be crazy jealous. Oh, my gosh. Okay, we need to change the subject and move on. At any rate, since you guys, you guys want to talk about it for like 20 minutes, man. But yeah, and basically Nax d- does really good work on the, on the Diablo books. So those are the ones to look for. Uh, can, can you guys think of any other sites to get Diablo news from or anything like that? Like besides us, Diablo lore type stuff? Diablo is like the one Blizzard game I don't really play. Yeah. I don't so think I that no there's idea. really any place out there that's like super, super dedicated to Diablo lore. Yeah. Um, but the, the books that they've put out kind of do a really good job of covering everything. And like I said, you know, Book of Cain, Book of Tyrael, both, you, you get both of those, and you've got a pretty well-rounded look at everything that's going on, and then the novels are just kind of icing on the cake. If you want, I'll tell you right now, actually, if you want the main story, Book of Cain's the one to get first. If you're actually interested in minutia and stuff that you won't learn in the game at all, the Book of Tyrael's a little bit of a better bet, because it's the stuff that didn't get into the Book of Cain, and it's expanded out, and so it's kind of interesting. It's, it depends on they're both amazing books, and you should get either one. You they're like companion pieces. You should get both yeah. of them. <laughs> but you know, I'm just saying because they're also kind of pricey. You know, if you're on a limited budget, uh, if you're trying to figure out what's going on right now, I'd grab the Book of Cain first. And if you're like saying, "Going, no, I really like that, but I want to know more," then if you only have enough money, grab the Book of Tyrael first. But they're both good, and you should get both of them. And that pretty much answers that question. So. So you look at the time. I think we have time for like one or two more, right? You guys think? Uh, let's do one and then talk about flying. Yeah. All right. So, <sighs> okay. Uh, I'm going to go with this one then, I think. And it's going to be about this. Uh, Alessandra writes, Hi, guys. Heroes of the Storm has announced global play, allowing players to freely switch between regions, U.S., EU, Oceanic, via the launcher friends list. Uh, account progress and rewards. I'm oh, sorry, launcher period. My was my bad. Didn't say it, period. Friends list, account progress, and rewards will not transfer. In-game property is not available across regions and cannot be moved from one region to another. Do you think this is a test, like the Diablo auction house, and we could see global play in WoW? It would be useful to have on patch days and for raiders looking for more boss kill practice. Uh, Alessander, I don't know. Um, and I'm certainly interested in what Ann and, and Alex have to say on the subject, but it, I personally would like it if it was because I have a lot of friends in in Europe. Um, because Twitter is a global thing, and I've met a ton of players via Twitter. So, yeah, I would like to be able to play with my friends in the EU or the Oceania, but especially since a lot of the Oceanic servers, those people players used to be on US servers and then they moved. So, all my late night, you know, two three o'clock in the morning Australian friends are gone now, and I miss them terribly. I'm I'm completely serious here. I miss those guys, so that would be cool. But uh, either of you guys have an like opinion on whether or not it's likely to happen. Um, I think it would be cool. Like um, it would be awesome. But I suspect it's a lot like the Diablo transmog problem, where Diablo was built for that kind of system, and Heroes of the Storm is built for this global play system from the beginning. World of Warcraft definitely isn't. Like, there's no connection whatsoever between regions. They're yeah. totally separate. So I think to change that would be 
a significant undertaking. I think I would like to see them take that on, but I don't think they will. It would require an extraordinary amount of work, specifically for what you just said. The game wasn't built for it. Um, Heroes of the Storm, they're building it from the ground up, so they have the option to kind of build it with that in mind. World of Warcraft, they'd have to go back in from the ground up and work with it. Um, And I don't know if that's something they would really want to dedicate that amount of time to. Yeah, I mean, and to be how fair, much time it would take, you know. Heroes of the Storm isn't even the first Blizzard game to have this. Uh, I think you can switch regions on StarCraft Two and Hearthstone as well. Can you? I think so. If you're in the U.S., you can play on like Korean servers. I think, but I did, obviously you would get the latency that. issues. Yeah, this is news to me. But I mean, it's one of those situations where. Players already get kind of snarky about the whole uh, concept of, you know, well, what's it worth to you time-wise? Like, there's the old, it's it's now a chestnut joke of, like, that cost you a raid tier. But the fact is, is that it does take developers and money and time to do things like this. I don't know how much, because ultimately, I, I'm sitting here thinking, like, you know, when I, when I go onto the beta or the PTR... I can switch between servers that are in, you know, EU. Yeah, uh, it's language. just right there and you could do it with the PTR so, or with the beta. I'm not sure how much work it would take. I, I, I straight up, I do not know how much work it would take to set up global play for WoW. I just flat out don't know. It could be a lot of work. It could be a real lot of work. It could be not all that much work. I don't know. I remember when they did Transmog, they ended up actually being surprised at how much less work it was than they thought it was going to be. And that's why we got Transmog and Cataclysm at the end instead of in Mists of Pandaria like they expected. Yeah. But, again, do, do we want them spending the time to do it? I don't know. Do they want to spend the time to do it, considering one of their goals is to get content out faster? And apparently there's going to be another patch past 6.2, and I got no idea what's going on there. <laughs> like, I have some ideas I'm kicking around, but all of these ideas are pure... Like when's when's the last time we didn't know? Um, we well, I mean, it depends on what you mean by that. I mean, we didn't know what what the uh, Ruby Sanctum patch was going to be because no one expected them to have it. But, but we knew at that point, didn't we? Already know what the next expansion was going to be. Yeah, we, we had an idea of it. I, I would and, say like, honestly, Sunwell was a surprise, but we knew Wrath of the Lich King was the next thing. Yeah. Right now, we have no idea what's going into the game, yeah. and. I think there are people who will say it's a good thing. They want to be surprised. But to me, that's so weird. Because we've always known. So not knowing at this stage feels like Blizzard doesn't know either. And clearly they must because they have to be making it. They're working on it right now. So they're but probably aware of what they're going the to do. The fact that we haven't heard anything is like, is like. Honestly, I don't know if that's so much. If it's, it feels like it's more of a consequence of the way they've changed how they, they do community outreach. Which is a terrible... Part of it, too, to me... I mean, I know when they were talking at BlizzCon about it and they were talking about Warlords of Draenor and how it had this weird storyline and all this stuff, they were talking about how this expansion was going to lead directly into the next. To me, there is no direction for this expansion to go. Like, we've almost wrapped everything up, so... Where does it go from here? What, actually, what is there to do? You know? I mentioned that briefly in the KYL I did this week, that one of Atramon's abilities has me thinking Yeah, this could go really weird. But yeah. 
The I don't only, know. The only logical thing that I kind of latched onto and thought about was the idea that Rathion set this up with the intention of bringing all of these people with us back to Azeroth because they're going to be his army, the army that he couldn't form out of the Alliance and Horde because they're two separate. But you have a world of of soldiers that are kind of united against this idea of the Burning Legion. If you If you ruin where they came from, then they have nowhere to go, but they have all of the incentive in the world to fight the Legion. So there's his army. You know what I mean? Yeah. One of the things that's weird to me is like Blizzard kind of had this double speak going on. with like, oh, no, don't worry about the time travel stuff. It doesn't really matter. It's not going to have that much of an impact to the next expansion. But it leads directly into the next expansion. It's like, it can't do both. It's it can't not matter and also totally matter. I'm just going to mention now that you guys wanted to talk about flying and we got like eight minutes. So, yeah. Well, that was my other problem. It's like Blizzard has clammed up, and I think it's for the worst. Yeah. Uh, as Alex talked about at the beginning of the show, he mentioned this, and it's we found out last week um, through an interview with Ian Hazacostas that they were not going to be introducing flying for the remainder of this expansion at you know in Draenor, and they probably weren't going to have flying in any future expansion, and. We know there's going to be a Q&A in about six days, I want to say. It's a week from this Saturday. Yeah, so, so wow, a week from this Saturday. Yeah, uh, it's like June 6th. Yeah, so that's a lot of time between now and then. Uh, hopefully they'll they'll get out something. But but right now, all we know is what he said in the interview. And uh, we, we, we've talked about it a little bit on the site. We had two posts about the, the subject, but... Here's where we're going to talk about it now. I think we should let Ian go first because I kind of talked over a couple of times today and I feel kind of bad. So, uh, yeah. Ian, do you have any thoughts? I My main thought is that I worked really hard on getting every flying mount that I have. I mean, I have, I have an obscene number of mounts. I have more mounts than any one person should probably ever have. And I think about half of those are flying mounts. And... It's not, I mean, some of them, some of them look okay riding on the ground. Some of them are absolutely ridiculous when you have them riding on the ground. Like well, the, the frost worms look ridiculous as a ground mount. I think I know one, one mount you hate to see on the ground more than the frost worms. Uh, Mim's head. head. Oh yeah, Mimron's head. I don't, Mimron's head doesn't logically work as a ground mount. It's meant to fly. The, the wind serpents. They don't even have feet. <laughs> they're wind serpents. <laughs> they're meant to fly. You know, they're, they're, these things were created for the specific purpose of flying. And if we can't fly in future expansions, it, it's not, I mean, it doesn't invalidate necessarily all of that work that I put in, but it makes all of these mounts that I spent all this time getting kind of like useless in a way. And, you know, some of them I paid money for. That's the part that kind of bothers me is that, and specifically, like, they just released the Rune Saber. And part of the whole video footage of the Rune Saber was the Rune Saber flying through the air. Well, that's all well and good and everything. But if we can't actually fly with it, then don't put that in as a feature. 
you know, if that's if that's something that you guys are considering, if that's something you guys are thinking of not doing in the future, maybe you shouldn't market your mounts, particularly the cash mounts, with that in mind. That's what people get excited about, you know. Yeah. I can't, and they I can't opened they they opened Pandora's box, or you know, uncorked the genie from the bottle, as I think you put it in your editorial that you did when they started to allow flying, and they can't. There's no, you can't stuff it back in again once you've let it out. The well, only, really, yeah. The only thing to me that I can see as some kind of a compromise is that the way that expansions have worked, Missa Pandora, you saw it, you saw it with Burning Crusade, um, where you had like the majority of the world, you could fly in the majority of the world, and then they'd introduce like a new zone like the Isle of Thunder. And flight was restricted on that island. They introduced the Timeless Isle. You couldn't fly on the Timeless Isle, right? Yeah. The only thing that I could see is them flipping that around and doing it backwards, where the majority of the expansion is ground mount, and then you have expanded zones that are meant specifically for flying mounts. Like, they're designed around the concept of that whole 3D landscape where you'd go up and you know quest objectives are up in the air or way down below and you have to you know get on your flying mount to just navigate even make it part of the experience um and i don't i still don't think that that would make everybody happy i really don't there are a lot of people out there that are really upset right now and the fact that nobody's saying anything about it weirds me out Alex, I'm, I'm, I've been vocal about this for years. I think I've been saying this is the Wrath of the Lich King. I'm of the opinion adding flight in the first place was a huge mistake. Um, uh, the first time I got my Griffin and flew, I was like, "Yeah, this is awesome," and it was. It was like magical and majestic. And then, like a month afterwards, I'm like, "Nothing really matters anymore. I'm just in the sky all the time. It doesn't matter. I'm just in the sky." And I think gameplay. From Wrath of the Lich King onwards, suffered because of flying mounts. Cataclysm in particular. Said, um, I think Burning Crusade. Burning Crusade actually designed content with the flying mounts in mind. And that there were threats in the air, and there were things that could knock you off your flying mount. Oh my gosh! Yeah, and you had to be careful on the flying mount. And like that worked, but after that, they I think they realized like designing every single zone and every single piece of content with these threats is tedious, so they stopped. But, but even though I think adding flight was a mistake, they've you know they've driven flight as this thing that you could do this whole time. Even though they restricted it, they kept adding new flying mounts. They sold people flying mounts for real money. You know, it, it seems like stopping now is silly. Even though I think flight is stupid. But uh, that said, if they're going full ground mount. They need to work on their world design a little bit to take that into consideration. Um, activities like um, Elliot posted a, a thing today about how to make ground mounts less tedious, but one that he didn't mention is archaeology. I think you can totally do archaeology with a ground mount. In fact, I usually do anyways, because I think flying mounts are too fast. When you're surveying, you can blow right past where your thing is. But in Warlords of Drainer, there's a lot of dig sites put on cliffs. So you survey the bottom of the cliff, and you have to go up to the top of the cliff, but you have to go all around the dig site to find the single path up that cliff. Yeah. And then the next one, you have to go back down the cliff and back up the cliff. Like, you you didn't design any of this game world with 
this ground mount. If I have to keep going up and down the same cliff, you just made really irritating gameplay. Move that dig site uh, 10 yards to the right, and there's not a cliff in the middle of it anymore. It's just things like that. And don't put you know NPCs in daily activities in the middle of a pack of mobs in the middle of nowhere in Gorgrond. That's irritating. It takes so long to get there for a relatively quick activity. If it takes longer to get there than it does to do the activity, I'm not going to go there. See, and yeah. to me, like, Cataclysm had a lot of good and a lot of bad with it. But Cataclysm also had kind of almost the perfect representation of how to integrate flight into a zone. Because you look at Hyjal, right? Hyjal should have been restricted to ground mount so that you had to go through all of this stuff and you really experienced it from the ground. Instead, you took off, flew from one quest point to another, flew from one you know quest objective to another, and you never really felt any kind of sense of cohesive danger or anything like that. There was no threat involved. But then you go to a place like Vashir or Deepholm, and suddenly you have to have that flying mount. Vashir was different altogether because you, you kind of have to look at Vashir. Yes, it was an underwater zone, but because it was an underwater zone, the only thing that made it underwater was the fact that it had a water texture over it, right? You take the water out of Vashir, and basically what you're doing when you hit the space bar is hopping in the air and flying. That, that's what it is. So there was this three-dimensionality to the zone where you had to go up, down, around, you know, landscapes and things like that. And it worked with the actual design and flow, like the quest flow. And it was the same thing with Deep Home. There were, there were specific places where you had to fly up to get to them. That's where flight worked. Yeah, when but you would get you want Hyjal, every zone in the game to be that way? No. Would you want no, every zone in the game to be Absolutely not. Space, right? Absolutely not. But if you had a balance between the two, then that's great. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm all for them making flight part of gameplay or, you know, the idea that they don't want flight to take, take away from the gameplay. But the, the, the point is you can't just remove it you need to design around it with that idea in mind. Because if you just flat out remove it, all you're going to do is what they've done, upset a lot of people. Yeah, so, I think that's, you know, I think we've pretty yeah, much and, covered the debate even if they are, Again, if they are just doing ground mounts, they also need to take that into consideration because there are places where they don't. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, it's vice versa. There's, there's, also, there's, there's remove there. the cost from flight paths. If you're going to encourage us to use flight paths, it shouldn't cost me, like, five to eight gold to get from one side of the place, you know, one side of the continent to the other. <laughs> yeah. I'm just not going to go because I you don't need to go that. You can't use kid a healthy amount of gold for and we're going to charge you on top of that. That's not fair. <laughs> well, yeah, we're, we're just about out of time. So yeah, I was just saying uh, basically that's the show. I think I, I would have said stuff about flight, but quite frankly, I, I wrote a couple thousand words on it the other day and I'm tired. I, I don't want to be the flight guy. Your editorial so, was good, too, so you guys should go read that if you haven't. It's, it's on the site. Um, the Elliot's is also on the site. We pretty much cover, you know, both. I think we cover the good spread of opinions about the issue. But uh, this has been the Blizzard Watch podcast. Uh, thank you guys very much for listening. We very much appreciate it. Um, Alex, you want to do the uh, Patreon stuff before we go? Yeah, um pretty much everything we do is supported by our community so if you want to support us you can go to patreon.com slash blizzard watch um it's a monthly contribution that you can you know 
if you don't like us anymore, you can cancel it. You can give us a dollar a month. You could give us whatever. And if you have any questions for the podcast, you can also, then also post them on our Patreon page. So that's patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. Okay, uh, thank you very much for listening, everybody. Uh, this has been the Blizzard Watch Podcast. Send your emails to podcast at blizzardwatch.com. And uh, we'll see you next week.